Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. Gurur Brahma, Gurur Vishnu, Gurur Devo Maheshwaraha, Gurur Eva Param Brahma, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. Om. Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, the creator, preserver, and destroyer of the universe, has come to me in the form of the Guru, as has indeed the infinite divine reality, Brahman, comes to me in the form of the Guru. The Guru is the dispeller of all darkness. Salutations again and again to the Guru. Good morning. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're still learning how to do this. As I said, only one person understands this, and she has to run up and down. So hope you're all enjoying a very happy and safe Fourth of July weekend. And today is a particularly auspicious day. Today is Guru Purnima. Today is the day dedicated to the Guru. Purnima means the full moon. So the full moon in July is the day that is dedicated to the guru. Uh, It's a very holy day because the guru is not only our spiritual teacher who gives us instruction and spiritual direction and spiritual knowledge, in fact, but the guru also links us to this very powerful line of, a powerful line of gurus. It's called Guru Shishya Parampara. A guru, you know, Shishya means disciple. Parampara is that is that infinite long line of gurus. Now that line of gurus connects us to our guru, from that guru directly to Sri Ramakrishna and Sri Sarda Devi, and from that through the line of gurus to Sri Shankara, the Pairavi Brahmani, and from there to Shiva and Shakti in that infinite divine Brahman. It's like we're connecting our little cottage here to the road on the electrical line, and it goes right to the powerhouse, right down. So this and that power comes through the mantra that we're given through the spiritual teacher. So today we celebrate that. We honor our gurus in particular today. So it's great that we can all be together on this holy day of Guru Purnima. The guru is important to us because it's through the guru, through the mantra, that we get this, that we attain illumination. A light is lighted from another light. From their direction, from their instruction, from the power that Sri Ramakrishna and Sri Saradevi brought with them, we can achieve illumination. And we're lit through that light of illumination there. This comes to us through the grace of the guru, through the grace of God, and just as importantly, through the grace of our own minds. And that is for every bit as as important as the grace of the guru and the grace of God. And this grace of our own mind is where faith comes in. Okay, the goal of all human life, the goal of life is to manifest that divinity already within us. That's all human life is to uncover, manifest that divinity already within our hearts. 
Okay, so how do we get from where we are now to there, to where we can manifest that divinity? Shramakrishna answers that question in the Gospel of Shramakrishna. If you haven't read the Gospel of Shramakrishna, please do so. And don't say, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's great. I opened it up and it's really interesting. It's like, no, I'm talking like reading the Gospel. I've been listening to it, reading it, hearing it for the past 53 years. And every time I hear it, every time I read it, I run and it's like, huh, wow, I never got that before. Or the best part is you'll read it, you'll hear it, and it's like, I never heard that before. I have heard this so many, I've 50,000 times, I've heard this never once did I hear it. It's because we're only hear things when we're ready for it. And you can't be ready for it, you can't hear it if you don't really spend some time with it. So I highly recommend getting a gospel of Sri Ramakrishna and read it, read a page a day, and just really kind of chew your cud with those words that we get. Anyway, Shramakrishna says in the gospel, a person must work. And we're not talking about going to a job. A person must work. Only then can they see God. Work here, he said, means meditation, japa, the, the repetition of the mantra. And actually, he said chanting the name of God and singing his glories is work also. In other words, we can't just think about our spiritual life and not do anything about it. There has to be a follow through. It was in this conversation that Sri Ramakrishna is having in the gospel, Mahima Charan is in the room and he's asking these questions. So he said, sir, how does one attain God? And then Sri Ramakrishna says, a person has to work. Only then can they see God. And then Mahima Charan answers. He said, true, sir, one must labor hard. Only then does one succeed. There is so much to read. Now, Sri Ramakrishna said, how many of scriptures, how much scriptures can you actually read? Importantly, he said, what will you gain by mere reasoning? Because we all think that we can know something by thinking about it with this little itty bitty mind. No, it doesn't work. How can we understand the infinite divine reality through this limited little instrument here. It's like this little transistor radio ain't gonna catch those have faith in the Guru's words, longing heart. He will let you know what he is like. And that brings us to faith. Last month, I had this very interesting interfaith Zoom meeting. Of course, everything's on Zoom. Interfaith meeting on Zoom. And one of the questions that was directed to me was, what's the difference between belief and faith? I thought that's a really good question. It was particularly interesting because the man who directed to me was a practicing Muslim. Now, belief is central to Islam. To be to be um, a practicing Muslim, to be a real Muslim, you have to believe six things. First, belief in Allah, that he is the one and only God. Second, belief in the angels. Third, belief in the holy books. Fourth, belief in the prophets. Now, the prophets are, this will be a very familiar list to you. Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus. 
all familiar names. The final one is Muhammad. Fifth belief, a belief in the day of judgment. And finally, a belief in predestination. In order to call yourself a Muslim, you have belief is also central to Christianity. Uh, when I was asked on Saturdays, we had to memorize we had to memorize text. We had to memorize the creed. So I remember just being like, oh my God, you, you just be forced to say, we didn't have to understand it. We just had to repeat it. I believe in one God, the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible, and sundry, but rose from the dead. And he will, and he will get, judge the quick and the dead. It's like, quick? Like speedy? What does it mean? It's like, ah. Oh. It just, the whole thing stuck in my craw because I was supposed to repeat it. And I was supposed to repeat it because I had to memorize it. I had to memorize it because I needed to know it. And I needed to know it because I had to believe it. And I had to believe it. Why? Because I had to. Because I had to believe it. It's like, it was like arguing with my mother. Mom, why? Because I said so. It's, it was very frustrating not to be able to say, this doesn't make sense to me. This makes no sense at all. And I don't in any way wish to disparage the credo, the creed. It's a sacred text. My problem was that I was young, I was immature, and I threw away the baby with the bathwater. Many people have attained very evolved spiritual states through just the creed, a deep meditation on the creed. I was too young, and I threw out the baby with the bathwater. And by God's grace, when I was young, I read the Sermon on the Mount according to Vedanta, which changed my entire perspective and sort of brought me back to a Christianity where, that made sense to me and where I could really worship and love Jesus as an incarnation of God. Where, and I was also blessed to have Swami Prabhavananda as a teacher who deeply revered Jesus and deeply revered the Bible and the truths in the Bible. So the problem is religions of the book, Abrahamic religions put a great emphasis on belief. And it's in books that we learn our truths. We need to read these books because that's where we're taught what we have to believe. Swami Vivekananda said, was there ever a more horrible blasphemy than the statement that all knowledge of God is confined to this or that book? He said, how dare people say that God is infinite and yet try to compress him within the covers of a little book? Vedanta and all expressions of the Hindu tradition, of certainly Buddhism as well, the Sikh tradition, all they say that, that spirituality, what matters is not in books, not in belief, but in experience. It's not what you believe, but what you experience and what you experience transforms your life. That is what counts. The transformative effect of that personal experience that we have of the divinity within our hearts. That is what matters. Okay, so then what is the difference, answering our friends' questions in the first place, between belief and faith? Belief is intellectual assent. I believe that the earth revolves around the sun. I intellectually agree because it can be verified by others. Every day people can actually put their measurements around and say, okay, this is what happens. I intellectually agree that 
E equals M, MC squared, not because I understand it, but because not the way that I can't get at my ruler and say, oh, this is a nine inch cake pan, that's easy for me. But there are scientists who can verify and validate this truth of E equals MC squared. I believe the sun will rise in the morning because that is my sensory experience of seeing it every day. Even though I live in Santa Barbara and in June, you doubt it, but I know it's true. Belief though, doesn't reach the heart. Belief is up here. Faith is in here. Until belief transforms into faith, it doesn't reach the heart, and it can't transform our lives. And that's what we need. Belief doesn't motivate us to do anything apart from saying, I believe. I believe in Brahman and Atman. I believe, what was that wretched song from the 50s? For every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. It's like, what? No, it doesn't transform into action. So belief won't engage the will. And we need our will engaged to be able to actually do something. And that's what Shramakrishna said. We have to work hard. That means we have to have the will going. We have to go the heart going. That is, we have to regular practice of meditation, japa, etc. And if we just, it stays in belief, it'll just stay locked in the brain somewhere and not actually follow through with action. I know a number of people who believe in the unity of life. They believe in the unity of Hotman and Brahman. They believe that attainment of God is the goal of life but they act in a way that's completely different. And that's not unusual. It's, it's actually not something to, it isn't something to be terribly surprised about. It simply means that it's remained at an intellectual level and hasn't dropped down into a, into a actual deep faith that will motivate us to do something. Shamakrishna said a trained parrot can be taught to say, Rama, Rama, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. He said, but when the cat gets it, it just squawks. And honey, that's what we do too. Unless it's reached in a very deep level in our lives, we just squawk when something happens to us and we don't like it and we don't know how to deal with it. So we have to have that sort of inner alchemy to transform our belief into faith. It has to sink down deeper. So we start with intellectual assent. We start with, okay, I believe this. This makes sense to me. That, that works for me. And if we don't have intellectual assent, if we don't have intellectual agreement with our own minds, with our own reason, we stop. We say, okay, that doesn't make sense to me. I need to understand this better. I need to ask questions. I need to stop until it does make sense to me. Swami of Vivekananda said, do not believe a thing because you've read about it in a book. Do not believe a thing because another person said it's true. Find out the truth for yourself, he said. Reason it out. And that's what we have to do. We have to reason it out so it makes sense to us. Vedanta emphasizes shravana manana nididhyasana. Shravana, hearing the truth from an illumined teacher. Very important. Then once we've heard that truth, second part, manana, which comes from the word manas, the mind, 
seriously reasoning, seriously thinking about it, thinking carefully about it. And during that time, we ask questions. We ask our teacher, I, I don't understand what that means. What does that mean? That's if, and if our guru isn't available, we ask other spiritual people that, whose opinions we trust and say, I've read this, I've heard this, but I don't really understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Can you help me with this? This is that portion. This manana portion is when we're, we're like working it through. It's like, okay, we're making bread. We've put in the yeast from our guru. It's like, okay, now we're kneading the bread. We're smashing it down. We're working on it. It's like, this is when we hash it out in ourselves. It's like, does this make sense? Does this, does this work for me? During that time, we think very carefully about it. Finally, once we've really kneaded that bread, we stick it in the oven. Finally, when we have this firm belief, this intellectual conviction, then we move on to nididhyasana, deep meditation on the truth. And then we stop asking the questions. We don't take a step back and say, wait a minute, what about this? Uh uh. Intellectual conviction is extremely important. Swami Vivekananda said, if someone says to you, I have seen, but you cannot see, he said, don't trust him. Shankara said, a, a clear vision of the reality can only see, be seen through our own eyes. He said, when those eyes have been opened through spiritual practice, he said, but you can't see through the eyes of another person. So when our reason is satisfied, we move on to the next step. step which is faith. Shama Krishna said, when a person has faith, they've achieved everything. He said, there's nothing greater than faith. When I heard that, I thought, huh? Really? Why? And I thought, isn't it kind of overstating that? And then I thought, no, doubt is a huge obstacle in our lives. In everyone's spiritual life, doubt is a huge obstacle obstacle because after we've decided okay this makes sense i'm going to move on and actually do something about it we have to stop second guessing everything we've heard everything we've been taught we can't turn around and say no i didn't think about that enough we have to move forward let's like if i don't have faith that when i go to a crosswalk that the cars are going to stop i'll never cross the stopwalk i'll be paralyzed and we can't be paralyzed in our spiritual life. And some people do that. They want to keep sitting and thinking and thinking about potential problems, potential questions. And so they never move forward or they switch different paths. I tried this for a while. I'm going to do that for a while. No, let me try this for a while. They never cross the crosswalk. The goal of life is to train God. Find a path, find a teacher, stick to it, ask all the questions you want, and then Chew the cud. If you put that, if you put that bread in the oven and you take it out, you just ruined it. You have to wait till the whole thing's baked and then you can enjoy it. You can cut that loaf. It smells so good and have it with some nice fresh butter. You have the experience, but you don't stop at midstream. Swami Brahmananda, Ramakrishna's spiritual son and the teacher of Swami Prabhavanad who founded this center said, without faith, none can attain God. If you have faith in one penny, it has value. But if you have no faith, even a gold piece isn't going to mean anything to you. He said, 
One who has faith is freed from doubts. Okay, so again, what's the problem with doubt? Because we all doubt things. Doubt is but now during the time of COVID, a lot of people don't believe that COVID exists. Okay, you stay on that side. I'll stay right here. Thank you. Uh, what creates doubt in the first place? The ego, our bloated ego. The ego says, I'm going to rely on my brain because I'm so smart. So we have this itty bitty brain that's about this big, about four pounds. And we think that we can understand the infinite divine reality when we can't even, under, we can't even grasp the concept of the infinite. We cannot even put our minds, we can't even wrap our minds around the concept of the infinite, let alone understanding the infinite divine reality. The mind has its intrinsic inherent limitations. It's this small. We are so restricted and blocked by these own limitations that we're born with. We can't even conceive of something greater than our own experience. We can't, we are so limited by our ego, by our own cultural background, by gender, by our own personal history. We're inhibited and locked into this mind through maya, through our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our lust, our greed, our arrogance, our short-sightedness. Our mind doesn't go as far as the infinite reaches of Brahman. So we think, I don't need a teacher. It's like saying, I don't need a doctor. It's like you go in the car and the person driving says, I don't need directions. I'm not going to stop and ask for directions. Have you ever been in a car with someone like that? It's torture. You're going around again and again and again and again. As they say, even a thief needs a teacher. We need the humility to say, you know, I don't know much about God. I've never had a direct perception of God. I don't know. I need a spiritual teacher who has had that experience that I don't have. We have doubt creeping in because we somehow think we know better. But our mind is so colored by desires, by ignorance, by our own smallness and our selfishness. It's just amazing that we're so blinded and yet we think we see. Shramakrishna said, unless a person is guileless, okay, by guileless, he's not talking like gullible. He's not talking about being stupid. When he says guileless, he means a person who doesn't have all these underlying hidden motivations all the time. He said, unless a person is guileless, they cannot so easily have faith in God. He said, God is far, far away from the mind steeped in worldliness. Worldly intelligence creates many doubts and many forms of pride, pride of learning, pride of wealth, and the rest. Okay, it's like, that all sounds really familiar, doesn't it? It's like, don't tell me. I read the New York Times this morning. I read the New York Times every morning. I read the Washington Post. I, I check, I, I listen to NPR. Oh, well, really? Well, I listen to Fox News. It's like we all have our opinions, which are just rampant ego gone crazy. And we don't even have the sense to know they're just our opinions. It's just our ego taking, our big bloated ego taking over uh, the mind 
and the mind becomes impure and we can't see our nose in front of our face. Egotism, as we all know, is the root problem here. And it's the problem in every part of spiritual. It's not a problem if we go to the grocery store and we want to say, I know better, I'm going to get this type of asparagus. But it is a huge problem in spiritual life. And that's the problem with doubt because we think we know better. And if we try to second guess everything in spiritual life, we'll never get anywhere. We can't move forward because we have to have faith in something or someone, someone who has more knowledge than us. This is why we call it in Vedanta a working faith. Not I leave my brains at the door of the temple along with my shoes because I can't be spiritual if, if I bring my brains in. No, Vedanta says, no, bring your brains with you. You need them. You, it's not that you have to be spiritual, which means I have to believe this to be spiritual. No. Sri Krishna said, have faith in your guru's words. Why? Because the guru is our contact person. The guru is the person in our life I embodies our highest spiritual ideals, the compassion, the spiritual illumination, the purity, the holiness, the deeper understanding, the ability to see further than anything else that we can possibly imagine. The person who can look into our own minds and say, you need to move in this direction. No, don't go in that direction. The person who can say, no, this isn't right for you. This is right for you. The person who can know us better than we ever can know ourselves. They see our potential and we don't. A working faith means, okay, I've heard this. I've read about it. I've thought about it. It makes sense to me. You know what? And I need something more in my life. And so I want to do something about it. This means, okay, I will follow the instructions of my teacher because I have faith that he cares for my spiritual welfare. I have faith that he's not doing this from any selfish motivation whatsoever. And I also believe that he or she is more spiritually advanced than I am. Well, that's a thought. And I trust myself to him or her in a way that I trust myself to a doctor when I'm, when I'm in the ER. They know more than I do. I'm not going to tell them how to do surgery. They know more than I do. I trust that my spiritual teacher sees my spiritual potential in a way that I can never see it. And I know that that spiritual teacher wants me to attain the highest goal of life. So I I'm never tired of saying that the, a real spiritual teacher, a real guru wants more than anything else for his disciples to excel him in spiritual life. That is real guru. You know, I once asked Swami Prabhavananda, Swami, how do you tell the real from the fake? Because there's this guru and that girl, and this person just declared themselves an incarnation. How do you tell the real from the fake? And he said, always look at their life. Look at their life. He said, make sure they always lead a pure life. Make sure that what, what they do is completely consonant with what they say. And he said, and they should never ask for money. So if someone asks you for money for spiritual teachings, go the other direction. And if there's some scandal, if there's some saying, it's like, oh, well, what he says is really important, not what he does, go the other direction. That's not a great spiritual teacher. Because that person, that person's purity embodies the teaching of Sri Ramakrishna Sri Sardadevi.
and, and God itself. That doesn't mean that when we've gotten this far, the doubts will, will completely go away. They don't. It's the nature of the human mind. Shramakrishna said doubts of the mind will not disappear without God's grace. He said doubts do not disappear until one attains self-realization. Okay, well, that might be a little bit away. I told Swami Prabhavananda once, I said, Swami, I don't believe in the Kundalini. And he said, you don't have to. And I went, really? I said, okay, that's good. And I said, Swami, you know, I don't really think I have much faith. And he said, you won't. You won't until you realize God. Then you will have faith. But you know what? All of us can have working faith. Every single one of us here can have working faith. A working faith to be able to start, okay, I have, this makes sense to me. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to follow my spiritual teacher's instructions, and I'm going to do it. And this working faith matures into a conviction and becomes a deeper type of faith. Then we go from a belief to faith, and then it's like, I know. I know. I know. I know I'm onto something here. That's when we know that what we're seeking is true and it's real and it's not a figment of imagination. Then we know beyond a shadow of a doubt in, the, in, our, in our bone marrow that this spirituality is more real than anything that's real out there. It's real, it's true, and it's really the only thing that matters. When we get this kind of strong conviction, everything becomes so much easier. Everything, it's just like someone's finally paved that highway. It gets easier. Faith here means a real trust in the Lord, in God, in the Divine Mother in the infinite divine reality, in the universe as it's supposed to work. Shamakrishna said it's the way a kitten entrusts itself to the mother cat. Cat picks up the kitten, sticks That's what we have to do. Shamakrishna said spiritual seekers do not suffer if they have faith in the Guru's words. That doesn't mean that a spiritual seeker is going to have an easy life. Often one doesn't. But it means that when we have difficulties, when we're faced with painful decisions, painful difficulties arise, it means that one has the inner resources to be able to weather the storm. To be able to say, okay, the mother cat has picked me up by the neck. For some reason, she is sticking me behind the stove. Okay, fine, put me behind the stove. You know more than I do. Shamakrishna said, one must have childlike faith and the intense yearning a child has for their mother. It's interesting. Childlike, again, here does not mean gullible. It doesn't mean being stupid, but it's like, okay, you know what's best. That childlike faith. And the words, and the next part is so important. He says intense yearning for God. He also said that yearning is kind of like such an important part of our real spiritual life. He said it's like the red light before dawn. When you see the red light before sunrise, you know that the sun is going to come next. And he said in the same way, when we have yearning, it's like the red light that you know illumination is going to come next. It's the red sky before morning. So we know that if we get that real yearning, 
that it's a sign from the Lord that, yeah, we're, we're on the way. This is happening. The Lord will surely, will surely reveal himself to us. And this is realization. This is the experience of God that we're all seeking. It's the goal of life. This experience of the divine reality, the divine within us. And this reality is more real than anything, anything else in this universe. Swami Prabhavananda said before he came to the United States, he went to see M, the recorder of the gospel of Sri Krishna. And he wanted to pay respects to him because he was quite elderly then. And he wanted to see him one last time before he left to come to the West. And he was, an, he was a knower of Brahman. He was in this inner circle of Sri Krishna, highly evolved spiritual soul. And so Ramakrishna, uh, Shri Swami Prabhupada could be pretty cocky when, when he was asking questions. He was young. And he said to him, what have you gained by going to Ramakrishna? He said, what did you achieve? And M answered with one word, faith. And Swami Prabhupada said, I found that strange. He said, he was a man of God. He was a knower of Brahman. He'd experienced his oneness with God. And his final word was faith. He said, but that is the final faith, the faith that comes after experiencing faith. When Maharaj said, I am, uh, I am resting on the leaf of faith in the ocean of Brahman, that final experience of his divine life. This means being aware of the presence of the divine within and without, in the presence of the divine in every single part of our life, in everything. Now, the faith that we need now is the faith that we read about that Nachiketa has in the Kata Upanishad where the young Nachiketa approaches the king of death and says, I want to know the secret of immortality. And he's not going to be said no by the king of death. He said, no, I want to know the secret of immortality. He said, teach me, for I am full of faith. And the word that he uses there is shadha, which means not only faith in, our, in God, faith in the truth of the revealed truth of the sages in the scriptures, but faith in ourselves. Faith that we can do it. Faith that we can reach that goal, the goal of life. Shraddha means get up, be up and doing. Shrama Krishna used to say again, be up and doing. That Shraddha says, get to work, do the work, do your job and meditation. That up and doing, that Shraddha means the grace of our own minds. Sri Ramakrishna said, the breeze of God's grace is always blowing. You just have to set your sails. Setting our sails is that active working faith. Putting up our sails so we can catch the breeze. If we don't catch the breeze, what's the point in sitting in the wretched boat? We'll just get hot. Once we catch the breeze, we, then we can experience the divine. Only then can we attain God. And only then will we attain the goal of our life, the realization of God. Thank you. And now let me invite questions. Any of you want to ask any questions? I don't even know what time it is. Oh, yeah, we have time. If anyone wants to ask questions, nice to see you all here. Any things, any things? 
Okay, I've got two here. Okay, I can't hear you. Okay, good. Now you can hear me. Anything else? Okay. All right, well, don't be so shy. It's really good to see you here. It's really good to see you here. Um, I hope, we hope you all enjoy this lovely holiday, this sacred day of Guru Purnima. And I'll close the chant and please join me in the chant. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnam Udachate Purnasya Purnamataya Purname Bhavashishate Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Sri Ramakrishna Panamastu. Filled with Brahman are the things we see. Filled with Brahman are the things we see not. From out of Brahman flows all that is. From Brahman flows all. Yet Brahman remains the same. Om peace, peace, peace be unto us all. Okay. Okay, is there a question? Hold on, one more. Act a minute. Act. It's a great question. Uh, I have found that reading inspiring books is really great. Um, every, everybody's going to have something that, that works a little better for them. I was just thinking in response to a question that came up at a gospel reading. Uh, a few weeks ago about that. And I was thinking Swami Chaitananda's They Live With God. It was really wonderful for revealing a lot about Sri Ramakrishna. Because a lot of us who read the English version of the gospel of Ramakrishna become a little bit annoyed with this, woman of gold, woman of gold, woman of gold, woman of gold. And, uh, and we have to remember, of course, that he was speaking to men. And he was speaking to a pretty much an all male audience and that what the women had to say was really very different about how Shram Krishna was with them, his incredible love, his compassion, his ease with them, his ability to just be at one with them. And I found very helpful to read Swami Chaitananda's They Live With God. Really lovely. I've just, uh, I read three times in a row, uh, Swami Apurvananda's recent book on Swami Shivananda uh, in the realm of the divine, which is really wonderful. Uh, the Gospel of Holy Mother is just fantastic. Krishna Prana is going to be doing some classes on that starting on Wednesday at 4.30. It's really wonderful. Reading closely the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna is very helpful. Uh, everyone some people are very moved. I mean, read the Kata Upanishad. It's really wonderful. Everybody has sort of their own directions. I find reading Swami Vivekananda incredibly fantastic. Just incredibly. It's just, he's so freeing. He's so liberating. He's so fun. I mean, who doesn't, he, someone who's just so real and fun and at the same time, such an enormous heart. Uh, Shri Ramakrishna used to emphasize, you know, have a time of retreat. 
Now, we can't all just go off to Yosemite and stay in a cabin or you don't want to go up in the hills. Someone's going to bite you up here. And, and, but just staying, take a little time. Shramakrish just say, money, money, money. So even at even in a corner of the house, even going into the forest, but somewhere, bring some spiritual reading, have some spiritual listening music, and then just kind of seep yourself in those thoughts the way that, that when you're cooking and you're putting it like in the lemon sauce, you may, I'm a cook a lot, uh, you, you put the little toothpicks in and you pour in the lemon sauce, you become all soaked up with that stuff, you know, that, that's sort of way that you kind of soak it up. And it definitely increases the purity of the mind. And then it's easier to sort of feel that, feel the way that one can be drawn to the divine. Good question. Yep. I think that's great. Everybody has to have a working hypothesis. Uh, I was just reading last night in um, the, uh, the, um, some reminiscences of Swami Shivananda. This man said, well, you know, I've been going to this center, this center, this center, and I have so many doubts come up. And then Swami Shivananda said, do you have faith in me? And he said, yes. And he said, that's enough. Okay. He said, that has been the support of my life. So have faith in, 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 our, in your spiritual teacher, in, in the mantra, in something, something that gets, that stops us from just sitting and thinking on it, doing anything, to doing something about it, to starting a spiritual practice and regularly following it. Good question. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.